wants to use you. <laughs> Amen. Today, the title of today's message is The DNA of Jewish Revival. It seems as if everyone you ask these days is trying to get in touch with their familial roots, right? Many are sending DNA swabs through the mail, right? Anticipating decisive results about who they are and where they come from. Because who you are and where you come from is very important. Amen? It places each of us in a context that helps us to better understand our role in life, and it inspires us to go beyond those who came before us. Every generation, it seems, like the kids get smarter and smarter. Isn't it true? And they accomplish more, and so it should be. Sometimes people are surprised by what they find out as they get that DNA swab back, right? we all seen the commercials, right? The, the Irish guy wearing a kilt, and he sends the swab in, and he finds out that he's not Irish at all, and that he's German. And so he's going to trade in his kilt for some lederhosen. I bet that was a big surprise, huh? But for us who are part of the community of faith and connected to Jewish ministry, our spiritual DNA is just as important as our physical DNA. Hear me. To find out about our spiritual DNA, we need only look to the pages of Scripture to find out about our spiritual genetics. The DNA of this worldwide movement of Messiah followers is the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit and the power of God. If we hope to reach the Jewish community with the good news of Messiah, we must bring more to the table than intellectual acumen, hard work, and slick presentations, although those should not be neglected. We need the power of God. We need the Spirit of God. It has always been, and it will always be. 2,000 years ago, a group of Talmudim in an upper room in Yerushalayim did what Mashiach commanded them, and they waited to be endued with power from on high, from God. And those men in that room changed the known world. Friends, I want to tell you that there's enough spiritual power in this room right now to change our world. Make no mistake about it, only the power of God can transform the human heart. That's it. A degree can change the human heart. Great teaching can change the human heart alone. We need the power of God. The spirit of the living God changes lives. Tonight, today I'm going to make five observations about the power of God and how it relates to us as a community. And I'm going to use the acronym for power. First of all, the power of God is personal. Say personal. In Acts chapter 2, every believer in Yeshua personally received the power of God and it transformed their life. Look what Romans 8 says, and this is the complete Jewish Bible. It says, for what 
the first line should grip us. For what was impossible for the Torah, just hear that, Selah. As Jewish folks, we hold the Torah in very high regard, don't we? For what was impossible for the Torah, since it was weakened on the account of flesh, on the account of us, we're the weak link. God has done. Well, how has he done it? Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering, he condemns sin in the flesh. So that the requirement of the Torah might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Ruach, the Spirit of God. Amen? It is the Ruach and the Ruach's power that we each personally need. You see, we are not only recipients of the power of God, we are also meant to be conduits of the power of God, that the power of God would flow through us to touch others. That means you, personally. Not the person next to you. You, and you, and you. In Acts 1.8, this is what Yeshua said. How many believe that Yeshua, his words are authoritative, right? He says, but you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Yerushalayim and in all Yehuda and Shomron, indeed to the ends of the earth, you. It is important that we understand that the power of God is for us personally. Sometimes we think of the power of God as if it's some nebulous cloud that descends upon a meeting or a group of worshipers where they're lifting up God's name or perhaps a sovereign move of God where he decides to just show up in a wonderful way. But I want to tell you that the power of God is personal. The reason it happened in Acts chapter 2 is because they were personally seeking God and waiting on God's power. The power of God is promised to each of us. Therefore, it is imperative that each of us personally receive and operate in the Spirit's power. Look what it says in Yochanan 12, 14, 12. It says, yes, indeed, I tell you that whoever trusts in me, anyone trusts in Yeshua in this room? Anyone who trusts in me will also do the works I do. Raise the dead, heal the sick, preach the Besorah. Indeed, he will do greater ones. I have a question for you just to contemplate. Where are the greater ones? Where are the greater ones? Well, I'm going to put you on the hook. (laughs) The greater ones are going to happen through you. Yes, you. The greater ones are going to happen through you and you. Amen. This is personal, very personal, and the danger of making the power of God impersonal is that it releases us from our responsibility to steward the power of God. Friends, God chose to work through men, and if men will not cooperate with him, God is handcuffed. If you're here today and you've embraced Yeshua as your Messiah, then you have a mandate not only to receive the power of God, 
but to personally steward the power of God. You personally. So that's it. One, the power of God is personal. Secondly, the power of God is not optional. Look at this. The more I reflect on this verse, the more um, powerful it really is in my spirit. Just listen to this. Now, while staying with them, Messiah, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father promised, which he said, you heard from me, for Yochanan immersed with water, but you will be immersed in the Ruach HaKodesh not many days from now. Think about this. He commanded them not to leave, but to wait. He commanded them and insisted that they do not leave until they were clothed with power. He didn't say it was optional. He didn't say, hey, guys, I know you've been busy. It's been a, it's been a traumatic month. So I'll tell you what. If you want to wait, wait. If you don't want to wait, then just go. And you saw how I did it. Do it the same way. Hey. Right? Think about it. He doesn't even mention the fact that these men personally were discipled by the Messiah. That doesn't even come into play. He doesn't say, well, listen, you were discipled by me, so you don't even need to wait. Just go and do what I showed you. No, matter of fact, he says to these men, and he insists that they wait. In Jerusalem, in that upper room, until they are empowered by the Spirit of God. That should be an eye-opening experience for you and me. That verse should speak volumes to us. If they who walked with Yeshua needed to wait to be clothed with power, how much more do you and I need to wait and be clothed with power from on high? You see, it wasn't optional then, and it is not optional today. I would encourage you today that God has called us to the same task as the early believers. He wants to complete the work of the Father. There are countless Jewish and non-Jewish souls who do not know him, that God forbid if they were to perish today would be separated from the living God. And God says, he has called you, mandated you, you, not the person to your right, not the person to the left, not just the people who, quote unquote, do full-time ministry, you. He's mandated you to reach them. And he understands that you're a little underpowered. (laughs) So he said, wait and seek my power and I will flow through you. You know, many people say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, Rabbi. Friend, the greatest thing that you can do is to allow the power of God to flow through you to win the harvest. Did you realize that Shavuot, Shavuot was when the Ruach HaKodesh was poured out in Acts chapter 2. It was a Jewish festival. That that particular festival is mandatory. That's not one you could 
gracefully bow out. It was mandatory. And so the empowerment of the Spirit is mandatory. We need the power of God to reap the harvest. Remember Kepha and Yochanan, Peter and John? After they were endued with power, they're walking up for the time of prayer at the temple, and there at the gate beautiful is a man begging. And Kepha looks at him, and how could he do this? He could only do this because he was filled with the power of God. And he says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I'll give you in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach HaNatsri. Rise and walk. And this lame man went leaping and skipping and praising God into the temple courts for all to see. They didn't have it a month before, but they had it now. They had the power of God. And for that event to take place, it wasn't optional. They needed to be filled, and so do we. Rav Shaul says this in 1 Corinthians 2 and 5, My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom. No, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. I sat in a meeting last week with people from all over the country, who have PhDs and master's degrees and all sorts of education, an educated room at a university where there were more PhDs and peoples with master's degrees. And we all came to the same conclusion. That is all well and good. And trust me, we believe in education. But education alone will not see the Jewish harvest come in. We need the power of God. There is no substitute for the power. And I'll tell you this, other substitutes are easier to get your hands on. I would venture to say it's easier to get a PhD than to pay the price to have the power of God flow through. So the power of God is not only personal, the power of God, true, it is not optional. Thirdly, the power of God is for the kingdom work. Say work. The power of God is for the work of God. Shavuot is a harvest festival. Say harvest. It is symbolic, as we count the Omer, of the harvest that is to come. And Yeshua prepared his Talmudim to reap the harvest of souls. Friends, if we are believers in the Messiah, right? We worship him. He is our king and our master, the one who connected us to the Father. Then we need to have his heart for the harvest. Shavuot is about bringing in the harvest. We receive power to reap a harvest of souls, and this is an important distinction. The power of God is not for our entertainment, nor is it for our ego. It is not for the purpose of looking impressive to others. The power of God is that so we, you and I, could go into a lost world and tell them a simple message that has 
the very power of the Almighty God upon it, that when they hear it, their heart would be softened. Did you hear what Leanna told us today? That a girl who was bullying her and causing her a great amount of consternation and grief and surus was changed. That happens by the power of God through prayer. As they prayed daily and regularly, the human heart was softened and changed. That is the power of God that we need to soften the human heart. But we need to understand that the power of God is for the work of God. Look what it says in Matthew 18. We know this verse so well. We know it intellectually, but we need to know it experientially. Yeshua came up to them. Picture this. Picture Yeshua coming up to you right now and having this conversation with you. He spoke to this, say, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make Talmudim. Go make Talmudim of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Ruach HaKodesh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. Go and do the work is what he was saying. He didn't say go and develop institutions, or even go to synagogue. He wants us to be in synagogue. For what purpose? To be inspired to go. To go to the lost, to go to the hurting. He says, make Talmudim, does he not? Yet the airwaves... of the world are filled with people who preach messages to get people to make a decision, a one-time decision, or to pray a prayer. But to pray a prayer does not a disciple make. Do you know what I'm saying? To only pray a prayer is just the very, 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 very beginning. A disciple or a Talmidi or a Talmidah is one who spends their whole life following hard after the Messiah, and doing what he says. Friends, that's no easy task. That's full commitment. Didn't we sing it today? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Go and do the work. The Ruach's power is for seeking and saving the lost, seeing them transformed into Talmudim, He was given to do the work, so let's do the work. Listen to what Yeshua said. In response to one of his disciples, Yeshua spoke concerning the man blind from birth. And he said this. This is what the Messiah said. We must do the work of the one who sent me. So long as it is day, night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We must do the work of him who commissioned us. Three times he says we must do the work. Do you think he was pretty emphatic, pretty clear? It's not vague at all, right? He says to you and to me today, this morning, we must do the work. 
Who's going to do it if we don't? Our unsaved loved ones? Those who don't worship God, are they going to do it? Is God just going to come down out of heaven? No, he did that once. Who's going to do it if we don't do it? God is looking. You, you and I, listen, I feel the same as you. You and I are on the hook. Look what it says. I'll give you another verse. Luke 14, 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Right? That word compel, what does compel mean to you? Does it mean, hey, guys, if you have nothing better to do later, come over to my house. I'm having a party. If you got nothing better to do, if you have something better to do, don't worry about it. Is that what compel means? No. Compel is this. Can I tell you something? There's a party that is the party of all parties. And you don't want to miss this party. This party will change your life. This is the party of a lifetime. And the master who's throwing the party, you want to meet. And if you don't meet him, you'll be forever regretful. You need to come to this party. That's compelling. Not a suggestion, hey, you got nothing better to do, try Yeshua. He might help you. No, it's friend, you need him. The world is broken. I don't know if you've seen it. The world is broken. People are broken. You have the answer. Compel them. What if you said to someone, you know the problems you're going through, my friend, can be fixed. Not by human hands and not by good suggestions and not by counsel, but by the spirit of the living God. And you could point to yourself and say, he changed my life and he could change yours. I told this group of leaders, leaders, some of them serving God in Jewish ministry for almost 50 years. And I said this, that the biggest need for Jewish revival is laborers. That's the biggest need, laborers, people who are willing to say, Hineni, here I am. God, send me. The harvest is plentiful, says the scripture. But what does it say? The laborers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. But you could also pray to the Lord of the harvest to make you among the laborers. Amen? Not only is the power of God personal, not only is the power of God not optional, not only is the power of God for the work of the kingdom, but the power of God is for everyone. Say everyone. Some people think that the power of God is for a select few. Don't get me wrong. God and the kingdom of God has a government. The government shall be on his shoulders. And from the shoulders of Messiah, the scripture said he set some to be apostles, right? And teachers and evangelists, and, right? So there is a government of God, absolutely. But the power of God is for everybody, everyone, from the least to the greatest. And I would venture, I would even go out and as far as to say, especially for those who have failed God 
even failed him miserably. Think of Kepha. He said to the Messiah, Yeshua, I will never, I'll never deny you. And Yeshua said, okay. It's a nice sentiment, but before the rooster crows, you'll have denied me three times. Not me, Lord, not me. And we know in less than 24 hours, a servant girl says, hey, aren't you one of those followers of the, that Yeshua? Your voice sounds funny, like you're from the Galil. Yeah, you're one of them. And he started cursing and denying that he even knew the Messiah. He failed miserably. How do you think he felt in that hour? Pretty darn bad. (laughs) I would think he felt really bad. Probably thinking to himself, I'm disqualified from ever to be used in the kingdom of God. Perhaps you feel like that. Perhaps you look at your life and say, hey, Rabbi, I have some major flaws in my life. (laughs) Some major disappointments. Quite a few failures. I think the power of God has to flow through someone else. I want to tell you, that the opposite is true. The power of God needs to flow through you. You're part of everyone, even with your failures, because this same Kepha, this same Peter who failed miserably, gets empowered by the Spirit of God. And now in Acts chapter 4, he's not before a servant girl. He's before the mighty Sanhedrin, the ruling elders of Israel. And know what he says in front of them? Friends and brothers, let me read it to you. As for this sick man and how this fellow is healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yeshua HaMashiach HaNatsrati, whom you had crucified, whom God raised from the dead, this one stands before you whole. He says to them, it is this Yeshua, the stone rejected by you, the builders, that has become the chief cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. The timid, the one who was cursing not to be caught by a slave girl, a servant girl, is now before the leaders of Israel declaring the Messiahship of Yeshua. How did that happen? The power of God. Yes, with all his failures, with all his shortcomings, the power of God. Friend, you're part of the everyone. When the day of Shavuot had come, they were all together in one place and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. They were all filled. They were all empowered to do the work of God. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They all had access to God's power and they changed the known world. Hear me. We look at the world and some believers are discouraged, even depressed. Thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? They weren't discouraged and depressed. They were in a very tight spot there in, in, in Jerusalem. Who was ruled by Rome. Right? The most powerful nation of the known world at that time. And guess what happened? They changed the known world. Even failures like Peter. 
spearheading the way. Let me give you the last one. The power of God not only is for the work of God, but the power of God must be used responsibly. I'll say this in our quest to see God's power flow through us. Hear me. God will share his glory with no one. You can be partners with God for the power, but you can't be partners with God in the glory. We all know the quote, power tends to corrupt, right? And that absolute power corrupts absolutely. The power of God must be used only for God's glory. Hear this, the power of God is not a condiment to showcase ministry or to prove to others how effective we are. And it's definitely not not meant to highlight how we have something and have attained something that no one else has attained to. Putting ourselves like on a pedestal, like, oh, look at me. Look what's happening through my life in ministry. That is not the power. You'll never see the power of God like that. The power of God is for the glory of God only. It's for his namesake, to exalt and magnify his name. And listen to me, it's important to check our motives in seeking the power of God. Motive is everything. What is your motive? You should know because God knows. You hear me? You should know your motive because God already knows. God looks on the heart. Now, in in Acts chapter 8, there was a man named Simon. Remember him? He had been practicing magic in the city and astonishing people of Samaria, saying he was someone great. Well, let me make a long story short. He comes to faith in Yeshua, right? But when he saw that when the Shaliachim, the apostles, laid their hands on people and they received the power of God, Right? And were filled with God's power and spoke in other tongues. He wanted that power for himself. And he said to Peter, Hey, Peter, hey, come here, come here, brother. Peter. Achi, come here, my brother. How much? How much to get that power so I could have it? What did Peter say to him? He said, let your money be accursed with you. Your heart is not right before God. He said, basically, the intent of your heart is wicked. What does he mean by that? The motive. May your silver go to ruin and with it because you thought you could buy God's gift with money. The motive of your heart is wrong. He goes on to say, for I see in you the poison of bitterness and the bondage of unrighteousness. Let me tell you this, that the power of God and the wrong motive is not a match. God is so into your heart motive, not the exterior of what we do. Anyone could come into this room and lift their hands and we could say, Baruch Hashem, we could learn all the liturgy in Hebrew and in English Aramaic. We could put the, the talit over our head. We could hang on to our seat seat like nobody's business. It doesn't impress God. 
God looks through all of that and he sees in our heart of hearts our motive. Only. That's why motive is so important. What's your motive? Listen, I'm here telling you that God wants to use you and desperately needs you. Just make sure your motive is right. Friends, there's no great men of God. I have news for you. A lot of people think their rabbis are great men of God. Or the people on TV are great men of God. No, there is no great men of God. There's a great God of men. Regular men. No one that's special. Just regular men that the great God of the universe chooses to flow through. If you're looking to be someone great, you're in the wrong kingdom. We're just regular folks formed by the dust of the earth that God chose to love. That's all we are. And that's a good thing because God loves us. And God needs us and wants to use us. But we need to use God's power responsibly. Let me tell you another story that's different from the one of Simon, Peter, Kepha. It says that the end, through the hands of the embassies, many signs and wonders were happening among the people. People, even Kepha's shadow. Isn't that something? Isn't that cool? What I love about this story, Kepha's shadow. Do you know when you, the shadow was cast upon you in your wake, people were being healed in Kepha's wake. He wasn't enamored by his own shadow. Ooh, look at me. Let me... Let me get the lighting just right. In his wake, people were being healed. God was being glorified, and he didn't stop to take God's glory because he knew it was God and God only. That's what needs to happen in our lives. And these signs shall follow those that believe. Right? Follow them. In our wake. We lay hands on the sick and God makes them recover. And we say, Baruch Hashem, awesome. God does it in our wake. Not looking to draw attention to ourselves, but to bring glory to God. Amen. They weren't looking to take the glory. They were looking to give the glory to God. Let me close in saying this, that we need to get back to who we are, not what we have. You know who we are? Right down to basics, we are children of God. We are born of his spiritual DNA. That's who we are. It's not the stuff we have. It's not the facilities, the money. It is we are children of God, born of his spiritual DNA endued with his power. That's who we are. Simple folks who love the God of the universe. That's who we are. We don't have to impress each other. We don't have to pretend we're something else. We are people who love God that God chooses to use. Amen? We were born of the Ruach's DNA, which is overflowing with the power of God. This is who we are. Spirit-empowered believers in the Messiah of Israel. So let us leave here determined to reclaim 
the fullness of our spiritual DNA. Friends, let's not leave it on the table. If I were to tell you oh, that, by the way, one of your ancestors left you $400 million, what would you tell me? Oh, thanks, and walk out of here? No. You'd be on that cell phone hunting it down as fast as you could. Because you wouldn't leave that on the table. I want to tell you that God has given us spiritual DNA that he doesn't want us to leave on the table. That spiritual DNA is the power of the living God to change a hurting world. So this is what I say to you in my charge to each of us today. Let's go impact the Jewish community for Messiah. Are you in on that? Say amen. Amen. Baruch Hashem. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. God loves you, each one of you. No matter who you are in this room, God wants to use you for his purposes and for his glory. God is so excited that you would say yes to his call and go out and change your world. He is excited about what he can do through you. Let me end with the Aaronic benediction, and I'll say the bracha over the food, and we could go upstairs and enjoy a wonderful celebratory day of this bat mitzvah day and celebrate with the family and friends and just schmooze and have a good time. But receive the blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Father, I pray that you would, Lord, do exceedingly abundantly above. Lord, all that we ask or imagine, God, that your people, you would overtake them with blessing. Father, that you would keep them in health and wholeness. Lord, that you would prosper the work of their hands, Bashim Yeshua. And everyone said, Amen. Let's say the bracha. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam Hamotzi Lechem in Haaretz Amen. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Olam Shekol Niyabidvaro Amen. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth, and blessed are you, Lord our God, Lord, King of the universe, who by your word brings about all things for us to enjoy. We ask you, Peshem Yeshua Mishikenu, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Greet each other.